Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. We are live. The chat room is open. My name is Rex Sykes. And you're listening to Rex Ike's Movie Beat. The official URL is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's RexSykes.com. And my guest today is Kristen Net <laughs> so sorry, Kristen. Kristen Netopak. I'm I'm gonna be speaking with Kristen at just a moment. I'm gonna tell you all about her in just a second. I'm sorry, at that very critical moment something flashed up on my screen and distracted me, but Kristen Natopek, and we're going to be talking a lot about what she does. She produces, she's an actress, she develops websites, she uh, is a costumer, there's so many different things that she does. She's got web series and different series uh, going. Uh, very, very busy, uh, productive person, and we're going to be talking with her in just a second. But first, let me tell you that all of these interviews you can listen to live, as you might be doing right now, or archived. They're recorded live, and so they're stored at RexEyes.com at the Interviews blog. They're available there 24-7. You just go to the Interviews section of RexEyes.com, or RexEyes Movie Beat, and you scroll through and look for your uh, the guests that you wish to listen to. They've got a biography page, so you can read about them, and inside is the link to listen live or archived. They're also available from the iTunes Store as podcasts. All of them are free. Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen, people who give away the farm when it comes to secrets, tips, suggestions, advice, how-tos, what to do, what not to do, how to make your movies faster, smoother, less expensively, how to advance your career, whether you're in front of the camera or behind. I've got directors, screenwriters, casting directors, agents, publicists, editors, cinematographers, you know, you name it, uh, they're here right here on Movie Beat. And all we ask of you, since this is free to you, the listener, is for you to do two things. One is share these interviews in this website with everyone far and everyone near, your industry connections, your friends, family, and, and strangers you meet on the street. Look, if you're sitting in a in a coffee shop right now, lean across and say, hey, check this out, come listen. And give or send them the link. Email them, tweet it, Facebook it, but share it. Your favorite social media means because it 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 enhances our presence on the internet when you do that. But it also really promotes my guests, and they're the ones who are golden. They're the ones giving you free information, providing you with tips and suggestions and secrets. So please help them and share these interviews and these discussions. And then secondly, another thing that really truly does help, and I wouldn't ask you if it didn't and that is leave comments right there at the player. Live or archived, you can leave comments during, before, or after the show. You can tweet about it. You can Facebook it. You can put it on your walls. But when you do that, again, it extends our presence to others on the Internet who might not otherwise 
discover us. All right. So uh, that's just it. Just what I ask you to do in exchange for getting all this valuable free information. Let me tell you about my guest, Kristen Nedepet, creator, actress, host of several popular series and films, including the Skyrim parodies, Out of This World, The Art of Fantasy and Sci-Fi, Pucker, and The Wheel of Time News. In early 2012, Skyrim to Lydia with Love, 2012, um, Dragon Con Film Festival uh, was he, I'm sorry was the official Dragon Con Film Festival official selection. She ga- uh, gained Netapak recognition, and she has since then managed a successful Indiegogo campaign to fund six more parodies currently in post production. She's partnering with Jedi Camp director Bill Ostroff to create the Geeky Awards, an event for geek artists, cosplayers, filmmakers, and more. Kristen is the co-creator host of the original series Fight Class, where she works with movie sword masters to recreate popular fight scenes for film and television. And she's a host, producer of the popular geek show Think Hero TV, partnering with major networks such as HBO, Stars, Sci-Fi, and the um, WB and CW to cover all things geeky on TV. Kristen can be seen on the cover of Fairy World Magazine, for her one-of-a-kind costume creations, and she's been featured in publications Cupcake Pinup Magazine Special, Freaks and Geeks Edition, uh, Girls of Geek 2012 Calendar, The Mary Sue, Geek Tyrant, uh, Girl Gamer, Pop Culture Monster, and 30-plus other popular outlets for her work in film and the web. She's the founder of the popular Geek Girls Create panel and was once one of this year's most dangerous women at Comic-Con panelists voted one of the best panelists at Comic-Con in 2012, as well as the guest speaker for the Women's 2.0 Conference. Now, her recent press honors include a feature in the Who's Who at Comic-Con, the Geek Edition, International House of Geek. So there's some information about my guest today. I want you to help me welcome Kristen to the show. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great intro. <laughs> Makes me feel good. <laughs> well, well, cool. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, you've accomplished a lot. You do a lot, and you're you're very busy. Uh, how do you manage it all? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm an Aries. We, if we weren't busy every second of the day, we would feel like failures. <laughs> Honestly, um, I I just I have to multitask a lot. I have to make a lot of to do lists. Um, half of which I never get to, <laughs> and I, I just kind of, I, I have this really great way of focusing on what I want and knowing what I want, and when things come to me, I can kind of say yes, no, yes, no, and so make decisions very quickly. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, tell us, just just give us an overview of, of what uh, you are working on, what you're presenting right now, and then we'll get into some more detailed questions. Absolutely. So, uh, like you said, I'm creating a series of parodies called the Skyrim Parodies, and it's obviously based on the huge number one video game of last year, um, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. It's a fantasy RPG game. I'm not necessarily a gamer girl. I do love video games, but I definitely don't have time to play them as much as I want. But Uh I'm a huge fantasy fan, and so, you know, I'm a storyteller. I, I create Stories. I wanted to do a web series for some time, and around last year, the end of last year sometime, I started playing this video game, and I thought the characters were just 
you know, sometimes they, for anybody that plays video games, they have AI characters in there, and they're great, and they talk to you, and you can interact with them, and some of them follow you around, and they're companions. But like any technology, they have quirks, and they're kind of fun to make fun of because <laughs> these people, like, you know, you go to kill an enemy, and they get in the way, and then you end up killing them and fun stuff like that. And I, I was finding all these funny quirks with one of the main characters, Lydia, that I that I had been um, having as a companion for quite some time. And so I thought this is a perfect example of a story that I want to tell. Um, I love comedy. I love action. I love fantasy. And, yes, yeah, based on a video game, but mostly it's sort of in the genre that I love. And so I just decided to make a series of parodies that are essentially jokes about the game. Um, but I don't think you have to play the game to get them. Most people laugh either way. So that's what I'm working on right now. Well, and and in one of the things that you sent me, you said that you're in training. You're, I'm doing a lot of training for this. Is that, yeah. is that Go absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, I have the honor to be asked by uh, Michael Trend and Sarah Acta. They're two... Um, amazing members of the IAWTV, the International Academy of Web Television, which I'm also a member of. And they are putting together a new website and a new course called Creator Up. And essentially what they're doing is they're coming from a concept that there are so many things happening on the web right now, but it's still kind of a mess as to if you want to do a web series, where do you go? What do you do? Where do you start? How do you make money on this? And so they partnered with a whole bunch of different creators in very niche genres to create a series of training videos, about 20 hours of training per course, to talk about the thing that they were experts on. And so there's courses about distribution and so-and-so. And then there's very niche courses um, based on particular genres. And so I'm actually working on a course right now called How to Create an Action-Filled Sci-fi fantasy web series because that's kind wow. of my specialty. Yeah, so it'll it'll talk about making costumes for cheap, you know, making armor out of plastic and or duct tape, which I've definitely done. Um, it'll talk about shooting on green screen, how to make pretty much how to make a sci-fi fantasy on a budget when you don't have you know 430 million Lord of the Rings dollars. <laughs> so um, that that's coming out soon. I actually haven't finished shooting it yet, so I think that's going to come out in November. Can you give us some tips and suggestions right now, though? How do you do uh, uh, sci-fi fantasy on a budget? What what uh, overview? What do we need to know? Where where can we go to get? Um, well, that, it's really interesting that you ask because last night I was asked to write a very brief blog article, uh, which actually ended up being like six pages long because uh-huh. there's just so much information for IAWTV, and so that that article is actually going to be posted today, I believe. And they asked me the same thing. They said, well, without giving away all your secrets because, you know, you're doing this training, what are some of the tips that you can tell us? And I think my major thing that I would tell anybody in that genre, and even if you want to make a superhero movie, I mean, anything that really involves a lot of visuals, costumes, things that a lot of filmmakers tend to stick with modern day when they start out because it's cheaper. But I find that if you invest, my number one thing is if you can invest your time into making things, doing a whole load of research on the Internet, and then actually doing a lot of things yourself, you're going to be able to handle doing a fantasy on a budget. And what I mean by that is for my first parody, 
it actually was done in my living room. You know, I do what every filmmaker does on a budget, and I borrow everything that I can. So we decided to do it on green screen, which is a huge money saver when you're talking about building a set. I mean, that's the, a set is going to kill you. Um, so we ended up shooting on a green screen, dropping in backgrounds. I ended up borrowing light from people. Um, and then the major thing is I ended up making, because I am a costume designer, but I don't think you need to be to do this, um, I ended up making all of my costumes from scratch. And so I didn't wow. actually have to go out and rent a bunch of stuff. And I'm not even joking when I say that some of the armor, even though it looks amazing on camera, was made out of duct tape and foam. It was seriously duct tape and foam. So it's just coming up with creative ways to make things look good on camera. And filmmakers do that every day. But I think some of them don't realize that kind of that transcends into the fantasy world. So they don't need to be in modern-day clothing. They can they can create a look that's indicative of fantasy. Um, the other major thing is just putting in some time to research period pieces, look into um, creating a set. You know, you don't need to have this Lord of the Rings war background. You know, you got to think about budget. You probably can't do war on a budget. But you can do a lot of things like set decoration and art direction where, you know, you're just, again, indicating something that's period. Um, and so I talk a lot about that and, and a little bit about visual effects and working with green screen and that sort of thing. But those would be my two major things is, is learn how to make things yourself and do a whole bunch of research. And just be creative in the way that you, that you put things together and you indicate fantasy. I think it's, it's safe to say, uh, or should suffice to say, that a lot of filmmakers, emerging filmmakers, uh, you know, want to know directors and writers, and they want to know, you know, actors and you know, celebrities, and that's all very important. Producers, but uh, you know, when it comes to networking, what you just said, if you can know somebody who can make costumes, somebody who can do web, you know, uh, or design on online, so that you can create green screen stuff, uh, even construction people, prop people, anybody who you can network with to, yeah. uh, you know, borrow, um, befriend, I guess befriend first, and borrow <laughs> and 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 have you, you know, have work together with you on a production, uh, just makes it that much easier. So, you know, if this is something people want to do, they need to think about. You know everything that what that might be entail, and then and then Absolutely. you know and network in that regard. But well, that's fascinating. I mean, that's truly fascinating. I want to say that your website is um, netopak dot com, n e d o p a k dot com. Correct? Yep. Is that? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have a ton of stuff there. You have the Skyrim parodies. You've got lots of video that people can see. Um, Fight class, the series, Pucker. Um, Think Hero TV, you've got filmography and blog and press and photos and everything, so people should go and check this out uh, and take a look at you know all the different things you're accomplishing and all the th different things you're offering. All right, so you make your own costumes. Yeah. Because you're you're an able-bodied seamstress. But, but but what well, is it actually? About? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm actually this this is the crazy thing that people don't know because I make a lot of costumes. I do know how to sew, but I have never made clothing from scratch. I have no experience in in using patterns um, or or creating anything from you know you know with like a like a whole entire dress. You know, somebody could sit down with a roll of fabric and say, okay, I'm going to create you know a queen's gown. I've actually never done that. I use a whole lot of glue. 
um, which I'm going to be recommending to people. Glue uh-huh. goes a long way. But, you know, guys, get some glue. You don't need to learn how to sew. Um, so I do know how to sew a little bit, but it, a lot of it is, is just, again, looking at pictures and looking at reference and being creative in how you make things. <laughs> well, see, that's encouraging. That's very encouraging because I would have yeah. said, you know, I can't, I can't stitch, I can't cut, I can't do anything. So the idea of me, you know, even sitting down to make a costume is out of the question, but you've now put that within the realm of possibility. So exactly. I, I, I appreciate that. And then when, when it comes to the plastics and things, the armor and stuff, how do you go, what, are you, are you, how are you getting those or buying those or making those? Or Well, I'll tell you the, the number one thing with armor. I do this for everything that I use. And I'm talking about armor. Um, uh, fantasy is all about the details. I always say that. Like it's 100% about the details. When you're making a garment, um, you're putting a garment together, you know, all the little clasps and the hooks and the ties, you know, all of these little metal pieces or intricate pieces, they're, you know, they're all there. And so what I call it, you know, when you're, when you're creating this look on camera, and the reason why you can use things like plastic is that you're going to make things look aged. And so my number one trick that I'm just going to give away to everyone right now because it's super easy is you can, you can go to the store if you want to make armor and you can take that cheap, you know, the cheap Halloween costumes that never look good. They always say they're spray to you know, spray-painted gold, but they're really like a maroon color and they look like, you know, you pay $25 for them, but they look really cheap. Well, what you do is you spray-paint everything black and then you take either gold, you wait for it to dry, you take either gold or silver. And what I usually do is I like to use spray-paint. You could use acrylic paint, but spray-paint is just a lot thicker and it it sticks more. I just take one of those foam brushes and I spray-paint the end of it and then I run it over the armor so it looks like brushed metal. And so that way you have the darker riveted areas that are black and then you have these bright highlight areas that are silver. Oh. And when you're when you wear it on camera, it looks like crazy old vintage metal. Um and then I also like to use things like thumbtacks and they're you know, if you go to Jan Fabrics for super cheap, there's these kind of bolt looking type beads and I just glue them on and boom, you have rivets. So from a distance, you have this incredible, heavy-looking armor that looks aged, and it's brushed metal, and it has rivets, and really it's plastic and beads and thumbtacks. Um, it's just it looks ama- it's just amazing what you can do on camera. In person, you'd be like, "That's plastic," <laughs> but when you're wearing it on camera, good. <laughs> good lighting, it looks really good. Well, it, it, it's true. I mean, it's true. Most game show sets look pretty cheesy. Most. Uh, yeah, actual sets are it seems so small by comparison to what you see on the screen and mm-hmm. and you know and most and most Absolutely. props and wardrobe look pretty cheesy as well. It's amazing, you know <laughs> it's amazing that it looks as good as it does on camera. It is movie magic, baby. Movie magic. That's it why I'm saying, is. you know, be creative. Be I I'm like the MacGyver of filmmaking. That's what I feel like sometimes. You know, I'm like, oh, I like that. That's good. some paint. <laughs> that's yeah, very it's, cool. It's well, let me ask you about the sword work then too. You, sure, uh, sure. Wielding swords and 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 uh, banging it out. What uh, what 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 do you do for that? How do you? I mean, are, do you take uh, are you taking uh, fencing lessons or? Have you well, trained? I actually, yeah, I, I had trained for a few years. Um, I ha- I'm just so busy now that I haven't because it's twice a week. But I trained for a few years at this amazing studio in Los Angeles. It's over in Burbank called the Academy of Theatrical Combat. 
And it's uh, three movie masters. They've worked on Hook with Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. They, they choreographed Master and Commander, Army of Darkness, a ton of films. And so I, uh, I started taking classes with them a few years ago. And essentially, theatrical combat is what it sounds like. You know, you are clinging with swords. You are learning how to use a broadsword. But you're not killing each other, obviously. Most of it is very choreographed because... Um, whereas fencing is sort of a sport where you can kind of just go at each other and, and do your thing and see what happens because, you know, you're wearing all that, that padding. When you're doing theatrical combat, the the whole purpose is that you're choreographing it for film or plays. And so you're learning a whole bunch of routines that are very staged, but they're also very realistic looking. And I actually had the Academy of Theatrical Combat, which is Jan Bryant, Dan Speaker, and Kim Turney, um, amazing people that they're some of my really good friends now, they lent me all of their weapons, the big axe and the swords that you see in Skyrim. And in one of the newer parodies, I had them choreograph an action scene. So I'm super, super, super excited. But I love swords. I own swords. I play with swords. Just, it, there's something about, you know, handing somebody a sword and, and just seeing their eyes light up and be like, I've never touched one of these before. But, you know, more people should. They're fun. <laughs> but I do have a little <laughs> bit of uh, a training. I wouldn't say I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a total pro. They're, you know, some of my actors that I have uh, in the Skyrim parodies, they are pros. I mean, they, you know, they do this for a living. They're stunt people. They're incredible. You could probably throw them in real war and they'd kill somebody. Me, not so much. <laughs> I'd be like, what? what's that parry move again? <laughs> I'd die. I'd die in battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is, that is truly truly amazing um now let me ask you just a little bit and then i want to get into you know what you do about creating a, a fan base and, and branding to, to promote your work but I, I want to ask you about uh the web series itself now green screen i mean uh, you have uh uh people d- designing your sets for green screen i mean no the actually, computer work um, or do you yeah <laughs> That's what I was going to say is there is no set, um, which is Well, the, the really, imaginary set, the green screen exactly. set. Exactly. Um, and green screen is like a super challenge in itself, let me tell you, because um, you're you're looking at actors and you're like, okay, I shot them all at the same angle, but now I need to put them backgrounds, and you're like, what angle would they be at? It was so, I have to say, using green screen, period, was a huge challenge for me. In the first parody, it was just a straight-on shot for the most part, two people standing there. You know, we made it work because it was in my living room. Then for the second set of parodies, I rented a studio, which was much larger. And like I said, we're doing action scenes. We have we have so many different angles. And what you have to do when you're using green screen is you're either going to put in a photo background or some CG background or video. And it's usually shot... At another time, then the actors, you know, the actors are obviously not there on set. They're they're looking at a green background. And to actually edit that and then put the backgrounds in afterwards was a huge challenge because, like I said, I'm sitting there looking at the actor going, okay, what's in the background now? Okay, they turn their head, and now it's a totally different angle. You know, you're still creative with angles because you're a filmmaker. And then you're guessing, like, okay, what do I need in the background in this shot? Um, and the way that we did Skyrim parodies is, like I said, you can put a number of different things in the background. If you're hosting a show, a lot of times they'll put in video or they'll put in a photo. But what we did, because we were working on a game-specific parody, is we actually went into the video game and took screen captures of the background and then highly customized them. 
So we gave it depth by using blurring and cutting out aspects and, you know, moving parts of the background around to make them look real. Otherwise, it would just be, you know, people standing there in a flat background, and it would have been very noticeable. But um, like I said, I, I shot the piece, and I had a good idea for each parody of where we were going to be in the game. Some of the locations were very specific to the story, but other locations it was like, oh, this could be on any random road in the game or any castle or that thing. And um, like I said, I had to go into the game and actually guess what what the background would be and what the angle would be at that moment. And I ended up taking about, like, I don't know, 100 different background shots and then going into Photoshop afterwards and scaling them down and being like, nope, that angle is wrong. Nope, that angle is wrong. So it's it's quite a challenge. But at the same time, uh, like I said, one of the number one things that I recommend to people is if you're going to save money and you're not going to build a set, then you got to put the time in somewhere. And so um, that's what that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is a lot of the post-production and all of the crazy work. And then I work with an amazing visual effects art director, uh, James Dorson, and he's the one that actually drops the real backgrounds in for me and um, creates all the special effects. And he goes in and super, super, super highly customizes all of the people, the coloring, the backgrounds. Um, there was one shot in an action where, um, another trick, by the way, for all of you guys, if you've ever used weapons on green screen, they reflect. And so when you go to key out the green screen, you're keying out the actual swords. And so we actually had to put silver tape on the swords. But in some cases, if somebody's moving it too fast, it will totally disappear when you're keying it out. And so, you know, he's in there rotoscoping in, in swords in the background while people are fighting. And so, you know, just to bring the whole piece together. So there, there's a lot of post-production work when you're talking about fantasy. Um, so green screen is fun. <laughs> so let's let's say how much typical, how much is a typical shoot versus the uh, typical length of shoot versus the length of of uh, post? Oh wow, this shoot, on an episode. Um, we shot in two days. We shot six parodies in two days. Again, they're all in green screen. But I will say that they were highly planned out. I mean, I knew exactly, you know, what a normal director would do, storyboards, all of that. The only difference is you don't have a set to work with. You're literally working with green screen, but you're still going to have your angles and all of that fun stuff. So it took about two days to shoot because we did have an action scene, so we had a lot of things to cover. Um, and that was throughout six parodies, so about three, day, three per day in a green screen studio. Post-production probably takes about two weeks per video because people are working, you know, so it's it's kind of hard to gauge sure. the exact time. But, you know, there there's the editing. There's going through and doing the normal editing and the sound syncing and, and the choosing of the files and, and the footage scrub and all of that. But then, like I said, you know, you're editing on green screen. There are times when we have to composite images together. Because of green screen, you can't have out-of-focus images. So if you have somebody in the foreground, somebody in the background, you're generally shooting that separately, and then you're editing it together in the end. So we have to take care of things like that in the edit. You know, we're speeding things up, slowing things down. Um, and there's the full-on background selection, which I said can sometimes take days because you're sitting there, like, trying to get the right angle of background that's going to work. Then it goes through uh, visual effects production, and that's at least probably three or four days, and then we do sound design. And so I would say the post-production is a much longer process. But just to give you an idea, I would say, you know, 
you can see how you can see how easy it is to shoot something on a green screen, but then again, you're taking care of all of that time in the end. So I, I want to revisit the, the the question I asked a little bit earlier, just sure. to make sure that, that I've asked it for the listener, and that is, uh, if somebody's thinking of doing green screen and they want backgrounds, do they just go to a, a computer photo library and and do that, or a, I mean, obviously they could have someone design it. That's what I was leading up to before. But the but yeah. where do people get their their background image for green screen? Um, well, I've, we've done a number of different things. Like I said, for this one, we took in-game shots, but I've shot on green right. screen a hundred different times. Right. And you can do one of a few things. You can drop in a photo, which is really easy, and there are tons of sites. Um, I can't for the life of me remember my favorite site, but, you know, you can go to Flickr. You can go to um, Getty. You know, you can go to any of these sites, and you can find amazing backgrounds if there's something that's a little more generic that you're looking for. There is a specific site that I will have to email you, and I can't believe I can't remember the name. It's like Digiphoto or something like that. Uh-huh. They actually have a lot of fantasy backgrounds. So they have these, like, cool castles and wooded scenes that I think would be brilliant. Or you can, what um, what some people do is, you know, like they did in Lord of the Rings, they ended up creating bigotures, and they shot that, and then they placed that in the background. Or somebody can go out and shoot a bunch of footage separately and use that as well. And so the whole point is that you don't have to have your actors and your scene at the same time, which, you know, saves a lot of time when you're talking about lighting and things like that. But um, when you are working on green screen, you do have to go out and find the photos or create the video yourself. And so for fantasy, what I would recommend is, you know, it really depends on the world that you're creating. If you're in a castle, that might be easier. I'm sure somebody can find a picture of inside a castle or some, you know, stock video footage of inside a castle. If you want to create your own made-up world, you know, then you're looking at hiring an artist. Um, If you're doing a photo, they could collage something together. If you want to do something that looks a little more interactive, you might have to hire a CG artist to create a background. Um, I had some friends do what, you know, a lot of people do. They end up shooting in an open field because, you know, they don't want the power lines and whatnot. And all they did was they just had an open field of grass, and then they they CG'd in a castle in the background. You know, so there's a number of different things that you could do. Very cool. Very cool. We're at that point. We're going to have to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. So hang in with us, Kristen. You're listening to Rex Ike's Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsikes.com. It's my name. I'm your host. It's rexsikes.com. All of these interviews are stored at the Interviews blog as well as podcasts at the iTunes store. So be sure to go and listen to them. There's over 300 hours of uh, professional filmmakers uh, sharing their secrets and expertise, uh, mentoring you in the filmmaking process. So go listen to the archives. Share these uh, interviews, both uh, live and archived, with your friends and industry connections, and be sure to leave comments both during, uh, before and after the show at the player, and uh, rate and review the podcast when at iTunes. Uh, I've got a lot of upcoming guests that you know. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who they are, so but just stay tuned, and stay tuned to Rex Ike's Movie Beat on Facebook, the Facebook Friends page, because I also make announcements there, uh, especially while the Rex Ike's Movie Beat official site is under construction. The site you're familiar with is still there and still up and will be until we launch the new one, but the new one has been taking almost up to two years now to, to build and create and and get everything ready and move stuff over, and it's, it's a very labor-intense process. So hang in with us, and uh, that's one of the reasons why there's no real uh, updated uh, written content on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. 
currently or have been for about the last year. But the interviews are always current, and they and the announcements for my guests are both there on on Movie Beat as well as on Rex Ike's Movie Beat on Facebook. You're listening to my guest, Christine Nedopak. Her uh, website is nedopak.com. It's N-E-D-O-P-A-K.com. Be sure to check it out and uh, and check out all the offerings that she has there for you and, and look at the, the amount of video and web series and shows that she has there. Uh, Kristen, uh, Tony Gilshow says hi to you uh, from the <laughs> chat room. I want to be sure to hi. say hello. Back. Uh, so in terms of Oh, well, one more question about the, but you know what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to ask you back. I'm going to have to have you back sometime soon uh, because we've got so many things to talk about. I know, really, right? We could talk forever. <laughs> we could. Uh, but uh, I want to ask you uh, one further question about the green screen stuff. How do you make it so that it doesn't look like your like most low budget green screen kind of stuff where people are you know kind of walking on a slanted. Mm-hmm. Road, but they look like they're walking on a tabletop, uh, you know. Or, or how, you know, how do you, how does the green screen process work so you actually look like you're in the environment, you're in the environment? Um, it's very, very, very important that. Um, well, a lot of times, you know, if you don't have to put it feet in there, I always say don't because it's so much easier. But it's very, very important that you match your green screen background to whatever it is that your people are doing. So if they're walking downstairs. You probably need to get a, a set of stairs and paint them green and have them literally walking downstairs. Otherwise, like you said, it just looks fake in the end. And so there were some times when we had to step up, or we, you know, we had to step over or, or on a hill or something like that. And we, or um, for example, we had people falling, and we wanted to make it look like they were falling in a specific area. Well, we had to bring in mats. We had to cover them with green fabric and make it actually look like that um, so that it matched the end production shot. And so that's just my recommendation. Um, oh, oh, I actually, my, my visual designer, he did this Netflix commercial once. This isn't about charities, but he actually had a guy in a car driving along a highway. And so what they did was they, they, they built a little mini set that looked exactly like a car, and they covered the entire thing with green fabric, and then they had him sit inside. And so when they actually put him in the car in, in the actual shoot, it looked real. And so, you know, you just have to go the extra mile and make sure that you think about all of those things ahead of time so that it doesn't look fake. Fair enough. All right. So when it comes to producing and directing these shows, how do you – and acting, how do you gear your team up, you know, when they have oh. to be in front of the camera? Oh, gosh. When, when, or or I should say when I have to be in front of the camera. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really hard. I always tell people, you know, I say this a million times and then I do it anyway. I'm like, I will not be in another thing that I produce and direct. It's too hard. But I've learned over the years because you know your 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 vision. You're trying to be the director and create this vision. Then you're on camera, which is really hard to see. And I hate to take up time by actually looking at the footage every single time. You know, you just don't want to do that. And so what I've done is, you know, it's been about I don't know. I've been working in this industry for about twelve, thirteen years now. And just the last few years, I finally found a team of people that I trust. And that's really what it is about is when you're a director and you're on set, you have to trust your team and you have to find people that are really good at what they do, that know your vision, that understand your vision, and know what it is that you want because those are the people that are actually going to be doing their job to make sure that it gets done. 
And the same applies for when you're on camera. When you're on camera and you can't really see everything that's going on, you need to have somebody that is acting director over here who is really good with actors. You had a conversation with them ahead of time or several, and you explained exactly what you want to happen. Um, and, you know, you're having a lot of dialogue with your DP about the exact angles that you want. I mean, I have crazy storyboards. I have, like, very, very anal retentive storyboards. So everyone on set knows exactly what it is that I want to shoot. And all of those communication tools are very important to getting the job done and getting them done quickly. And even if you're not on camera, that's why that's why storyboards are there. You know, it's your vision and you have to communicate it to your entire team regardless of the genre that you're working on. And so tools like that just really help people understand what you want. And so when it comes to shoot day, you know, you're still kind of, you know, saying, eh, that's not really what I wanted. They're like, yeah, let's try it a little bit different this way. Maybe something didn't work. But at the same time, you have a team that you trust. Um, you've already communi- It's all about communication. You've already communicated ahead of time exactly what you want. And so when the shoot day comes, boom, you can knock it out. Um, I think that is actually, the, I, when I was in Seattle, I was probably on like 40 or 50 independent films as an actress, and I would have to say that's the number one thing that I that I saw people not do was communicate. You know, they would show up on set and be like, okay, now let's talk about what we need. And somebody's like, wait, why didn't we talk about this ahead of time? So I would just urge everyone to prepare, 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 and communicate, 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 um, and things will run a lot more smoothly. And so when you do that, let, let's let's kind of back it up a bit sure. uh, for a couple of reasons, and, and uh, I'll give you the overview of, of my thinking, and then we'll have to break it down. And we're not going to have time to get to everything in today's show, so that's why I said I'm going to have to have you back. But the, <laughs> the notion, the notion that first you are you know a genre queen. You have picked. You kind of made your niche. You know you 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 are identifiable. In, in a particular line, so you're, you're definitely building your brand, and uh, and you're getting your brand out to a target, and right. you know you're extending and you're and you're capturing a larger and larger audience. Before I get there, uh, with those questions, because those are really important questions, I want to ask that this notion uh, because you've defined yourself, you know, and I want to ask you about how you define and 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 the genres and all that, but. When you start a project, what really is the process that you go through from A to Z, you know, from start to finish? You know, what what um, when you conceive of the idea or something strikes you, you know, and then you go from the development, uh, you know, through pre-pro into production and post. Can you can you walk us through that for yourself? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I know you're going to ask this in a second, but I'm going to just touch base on it a little bit is, um, like you said, you know, it really is about your brand. um, And your brand stems from what you're passionate about. And so I think every filmmaker that is in love with being a filmmaker knows that their ideas come from passion. It's it's what story do I want to tell? What, what, you know, what am I dying to say to the world? And even with these parodies, you know, they're silly, they're funny, but I had played this game for 100 hours and I was dying to tell the story about my experience with these people in the game because it was hilarious to me that, you know, they would create this character that was there to protect you that constantly got in the way and died. I just thought that was hysterical. And that's my point of view. You know, that's my voice. My voice is usually more comedic. It's a little on the funny side, even though I am doing action fantasy. But that's the first part of the process is 
you know, I, too many people I think sometimes sit down and they say, and I've totally seen this backfire and I've done it myself, they sit down and say, okay, what's going to sell? What is the idea that I can come up with that's going to make me money or it's going to sell or it's going to be popular? And I don't think that's ever going to work. You know, we've seen it in Hollywood a million times. They come up with sequels and, and trilogies that don't work. You know, like, why are we doing this? Um, because they're trying to sell. They're trying to make money. And, and of course, filmmaking and, and series is absolutely a business. You know, I, I do not want to discount that. But when you're the creative person coming up with the idea, it really is what you're passionate about. And, again, it's the story that you want to tell. So first and foremost, that's where you want to start because when you're passionate about your idea, you are going to put a lot more effort and love and time into it. You're going to sell a team to work with on it because nobody wants to work with somebody that's only half involved in what they, what they're doing or is just doing something for money because chances are they're going to get bored with it and not finish the project, which happens a lot. So first and foremost, it's the idea. Um, my process, and I'm sure it's similar to a lot of other filmmakers and, and web series creators, is um, and because we do fantasy, is once I get my idea in place, I actually start with, rather than creating a script and creating characters, I start looking at the um, the budget aspects. You know, what location do I want to shoot this in? Let me get a sense of how much production is going to be involved. And it, You know, is this a shoot where we're going to do it on a green screen? Are we going to need a ton of special effects in the end? Because we're dealing with a fantasy genre, we tend to have a lot more bigger budget items, like I said, like a fantastic set and costumes and that sort of thing. And sometimes I let that drive um, parts of my story. And a perfect example is in the Skyrim parodies, I had to have an action scene, and I wanted to have enemies in the scene, and I thought, dear God, if I have to make like 15 sets of armor, I'm probably going to cry and it's going to cost a lot of money. So I picked the enemy that wore fur. They were barbarians. They wore fur. Um, it was a lot easier to get fake fur and to create these little skimpy outfits than it was to create all this armor. Uh, so, uh. so there was a point where, you know, it was like, okay, this, this makes more sense. Um, and then, you know, from there I start breaking, you know, I, I end up writing the stories and writing the script, and I sort of merge the two, and I go, okay, where where are places where I can actually change a few things, maybe to save a dollar here and there? And what are the items that I absolutely need in here? Then I start, um, then I have my story. I start putting together a list of costumes that I need, materials that I need. I start going online on Etsy, on eBay, looking at fabrics, you know, where I can get things the cheapest. And then again, I kind of refine my prop list and costumes and story even more. Um, and then I sit down with a creative team and, you know, usually in this case I'm the producer, writer, director, editor, you know, I do a million different things. And so I sit down and I look at the team that I need. In this instance, I needed a visual effects person um, and an art director to help me with the back end because I don't know After Effects, even though I'm editing it. And then I needed to have a sword team. So I needed to have people that were going to do fight choreography. I needed to have actors. I needed to obviously have a DP. Um, and people to help out, and we had a pretty small crew, given the fact that I that I ended up doing a lot of things myself. So I sit down with them, and then we look at the script. Um, at that point, I probably have storyboards to show them because I'm extremely anal retentive about my vision, which I'm sure most directors are. And then we sit down and we talk about the logistics. You know, we talk about can we really shoot this, or is that going to be a pain to do in post? Is that going to kill my special effects guy? 
maybe we should switch it to this shot. Um, we go through everything. Uh, when working with fight choreographers, I have to explain to them, you know, they're amazing with actors, and I explain to them all of my characters that are going to be fighting, the action that needs to happen, some of the shots that we need to get in terms of um, what I do is with action is I say, okay, here's the character, here's their personality, here's the general idea of the scene that we need, here are the moments where I'm going to get close up, and I let them go from there. And the amazing thing about great movie star masters is they will choreograph fight choreography around your actor's personality and uh, around your character's oh, personality. Cool. Uh-huh. Isn't it amazing? I mean, th- that's <laughs> what they did. If you look at um, if you look at Hook, you look at Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams, and they absolutely created the swords around Peter Pan and Hook. They created all of the movement around the characters, and it's just an amazing thing to watch because action isn't something you can necessarily plan out every second of, you know. Um, so to have something like that and to have it fit in with your character's mood um, is absolutely necessary. So... So by this time, I have storyboards, I have my team, again, I've communicated to them exactly what it is we're going to do, and then as a producer, it's my job to go book all the studios, you know, book the green screen space, I go online and I research a whole bunch of places, find what's going to be the cheapest, that has all the equipment that I need, um, and I have a really great space. If anyone's interested in L.A., it's a really great space in the Valley. And then I go through the casting process myself, and I book all of my actors, and in this case, we're doing a parody of a video game, so we had to have people that that were very similar to the people that were in the game so people could recognize the characters. Um, and again, I had planned out their costumes ahead of time. And so I cast people that match my characters, brilliant actors. I cast um, actors slash stunt people that are going to be fighting with swords. And um, pretty much at that point, oh, and then, I, and then I spend about, I think I spent about a month or so creating all the costumes just because we had a ton of different people and we had about like 15 different costumes that had to be done. Um, I also, you know, for anyone that's creating fantasy, I did end up renting a few pieces of armor from a guy named Brian Barrow, um, Brian Barrow Effects, who is in Los Angeles. And I think he's the number one armorer for the movies. He's done tons of different movies. So he has a store, like a huge warehouse of costumes and armor, mostly just armor. He doesn't really do wardrobe, but he breastplates, gauntlets, things like that that I didn't have time to make that just looked better as real pieces. I ended up renting those from him. So at this point, we're ready to shoot, and um, probably any filmmaker knows the rest of the process from there. You know, you shoot, you get your footage, you go into post-production, and that's where you end up adding in all your backgrounds and and all of that fun stuff. Um, But I think it's the upfront process to me, which is a lot more fascinating. That is fascinating. And before we go any further, and we only have sure. you know about twelve minutes left or so, is uh, is you have an event tomorrow, the twenty seventh, yes. that we want to talk about, and then you have a launch coming up, I believe, in November. So I want you to be able to tell the listeners all about these uh, two things. One's happening in L.A., which I, I know everyone the mm-hmm. moment you say is going to wish that they could be there. <laughs> Yeah, um, so <laughs> they've been waiting for these Skyrim parodies for months. And, you know, again, like I said, post-production just takes a really long time. So yeah. so I was like, come on, guys. It took seven years to make Lord of the Rings. Give me a few months. Um, no, they've been really great. But um, for this weekend, I've been invited to screen my Skyrim parodies at Weedonopolis. And Weedonopolis is a charity-run event. It's obviously, you know, Weedonopolis, for any geek, they know Joss Whedon. They, they're huge fans. 
And We Nablus came about where what they do is they screen um, they screen some of Joss's stuff. You know, sometimes they'll screen Firefly or they'll screen Gothic Vampire Slayer, or they'll take other films and series that are just coming out and screen those, along with fan favorites like Doctor. It's basically a Doctor Horrible screening with other things on top. Um, the Guild is also there by Felicia Day, Sean Becker, and that team. And it's a charity event for animals, so anyone that buys a ticket can know that their money is going to a very good cause. And um, it's essentially, if anyone's ever been to, like, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's like that for geeks. You know, they come in, there's a whole audience full of people in a, in a live theater, and they all watch these screenings, and they watch all the shows that happen. And, you know, they're interacting with them and yelling, and they all get, like, fun little toy bags and stuff like that. But they have invited me to show two of my Skyrim parodies, and one of them is out right now. Anyone can go see it online to Video with Love. If you put that in YouTube, it'll automatically come up. And then I have a new parody that is sort of a world premiere for it called Carry These Burdens, and it's the next one in the series. Now, it's going to be live. No one is going to see it online until it comes out in November. So if anyone can make the event tomorrow night in Hollywood, you can go to weedonapolis.com. Let's see if I can spell that. W-H-E-D-O-N-O-P-O-L-I-S. Crazy name. (laughs) And they can find out information about that. And then my parodies, even though one is already out there, the rest of them are coming out on November 11th, one week at a time. And the reason I picked that date is because it's a one-year anniversary of the Skyrim Elder Scrolls release, which is the game that we are actually parodying. So I thought it would be a good happy anniversary to my favorite game, and we're going to start releasing them November 11th. Uh, that's awesome. That is, that's truly awesome. And you're going to be there? Yes, I'm going to be there. So people can meet you. Um, yay, people can meet me. And then I'm hoping that they're done in time. Printers, ah. Oh. But I made these little trading cards just for people that are there. They're obviously free. I'm going to have them there to pass out. And they're just little trading cards of me and Lydia. Um, I actually made a set of them for all of my characters for the Skyrim parodies that I'm going to be giving to fan, you know, the supporters for our Indiegogo campaign and fans. So I'm going to be there. They can meet me if they want. They'll probably bring me up to say something if anybody's like, what does she look like? Um, the redhead <laughs> that looks like a big geek. Um, and then I'm going to be there for the screening as well. So I'm going to stay and watch the show. Oh, that's that's very cool. And there are going to be other people there that they might uh, be interested in? Yes. Last year I met Nathan Fillion there, and I have a huge crush on him. He's he's like my geek <laughs> my geek love. You know, if anybody doesn't know, he's from Firefly. He Right now he's on Castle, um, for some people that might not be geeks. Um, you know, Sean Becker is going to be there. Jane Espenson is showing Husbands. She's going to be there. And you just, the fun thing about Weedonopolis is you never know who's going to show up. Felicia Day could be there. You never know. They just, they they give you a list of a few people, and then they say, eh, we'll see who shows up. And, you know, who knows? Just we might show up. You never know. It's happened in the past. So it's sort of a it's sort of a fun event because you just never know who's going to be there, who's going to pop in to say hi. Because of course it's for a charity, so a lot of people um, usually come in and at least say hi if they don't have well, time to stay for the show. That's very very cool. So it's tomorrow in Hollywood. Tomorrow in Hollywood at 7 p.m. and like I said, weedonopolis.com. It's a Doctor Horrible sing along screening number one. So if anybody wants to Google one of those too, they'll find all the information. Awesome. That is fantastic. Do say hello for me to Jane 
if you encounter her and say hi. Absolutely. Uh, Jane, Jane is marvelous. I, I love Jane, and she's been on the show a number of times, and and uh, I always enjoy seeing her, you know, for yeah, coffee. Yeah, she's a great. As well as anyone else, you're you're welcome to drop my name, and and that won't get you. <laughs> of that course. won't get you. That won't get you a cup of coffee. But uh, <laughs> but that's really really very very cool, and I wanted to be sure that we mentioned that and and the upcoming. Um, you know, launch of 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 what you're doing. I, I call it a launch, right. but I mean, I'm not sure that that's the exact word. You're <laughs> using, but uh, something like that, right? You know, we, when we're on the web, we don't know what to call it. If a film is a premiere, and you're online, you're like, well, what is that? What is that? <laughs> but yes, la- launch is a good word. Launch is a good word. <laughs> and again, you're netopac.com, N-E-D-O-P-A-K.com, and that's also yeah. netopac at netopac is your Twitter address, right? Yes, yes, that's my Twitter address. And I talk about all sorts of fun, geeky things. And you're also on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Kristen Netopack's fan page. That's my Facebook page. And then I usually put a lot of things about Skyrim and all the things I'm doing on there. Okay, we have, you know, about five minutes on the outside. I want to be able to give you the last word and everything and and uh, but we did kind of touch on it, and I know you're not going to be able to cover, you know, all the nuances that that you've gone through to doing it. But let's right. touch, and we'll we'll have you come back. We'll have another show. But the idea of creating this fan base and and a brand, promoting your work, and and defining yourself as a brand, and mm-hmm. so and you started with the idea that it comes from passion, and I love that, and the passion yeah. definitely comes through in your voice and in all that you do. So could Thank you talk you. more about that for the uh, the listeners out there? Absolutely. And I I just want to back up for a second and say, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for about 12 years. And I swear for the last 10 10 years that I first started, I had no idea about brand, which is really funny because um, by trade, I actually have about 13 years experience in the technology business as a web designer and user experience designer and graphic designer. And it's all about brands. You know, when you're working with companies like Microsoft and and all these big clients, you know, it's all about brand. And what brand is, is it's not just a logo. It's sort of the the overall arching idea and messaging of a company and what they do. You know, Microsoft sells themselves as a technology company. And so about two years ago, I started getting into hosting, which I love. You know, as an actor, I thought, well, I'll just try this for fun, and it ended up being something that I do all the time, right? And the when you're acting, you know, you're you're taught that you need, to, and even directors, you know, you're kind of taught that you need to be versatile because you need to be able to be hired by anybody and everybody. I completely disagree with that, personally. I think it's a trap. I think that you you find that you're very scattered, you don't know who to connect with, and your voice becomes lost. And so a few years ago, I took a hosting class, and the number one thing that they taught me is they said, as a host, it's your personality. You're going to be working on shows that you're knowledgeable about because that's the day and age that we're in. You know, you've got carpenters. You've got people that are riding motorcycles and building motorcycles. I mean, that's the, the hosting world reality is that these people are also experts in what they do. And so they teach you. They say, okay, well, the first thing you're going to do as a host is you're going to create a brand. And the way to create a brand, of course, it can change over time. You know, you never have to be stuck with what you pick. It start with what you're passionate about. What do you know? What do you love? What do you love to talk about? Because that is your foot in the door. And 
when I started thinking about it, I said, you know, I'm a huge geek. I mean, I'm really into costumes and fantasy and sci-fi and movies and TV, and I've always wanted to create a TV series that was geeky. And so that's where I started. You know, like you, I'm very into behind the scenes. I love demystifying the process. Uh And so I created the show, Out of This World, Sci-Fi and Fantasy, The Art of Sci-Fi and Fantasy, and I started covering events and sort of demystifying the events and and sort of giving everybody not just an overview, but like this is exactly what it's like to to experience this place. And so um, the genre geek, specifically, like I said, sci-fi and fantasy and talking about movies and TV, that sort of became my brand because I was so passionate about it. And so when I got on Twitter and I got on Facebook, you know, I think I started off with like 100 followers and they were probably my friends and family that didn't even use Twitter at the time. I actually started creating a fan base because I was talking about what I was passionate about. I was covering what I was passionate about. And in turn, I met other people, whether it be collaborators or peers, colleagues or fans, that were also passionate about that. And so that's sort of how you build a community. The same goes, I mean, maybe you're a wine connoisseur and you're in love with wine. I mean, that's a good way to build a community is to start communicating and talking about and covering wine. You know, make a little show about making wine or go to events. I mean, you know, that's how you get involved with people that share the same passion as you do. And so that's what I did, and it just sort of grew from there. Well, that is very, very cool. We'll have to come back and discuss more of the nuts and bolts uh, yes. of how <laughs> you did that at, at another time because it's very, very, very fascinating, very interesting, and you have definitely a lot of experience and a lot to say about that. So um, if you would, then uh, we'll have you back uh, hopefully Absolutely. sooner rather than later. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And, but you and I will talk about that after the show. For now, uh, I just want to let you have the the final word. you got about a minute, maybe a minute and a half to just say, uh, goodbye, or leave uh, the listeners with anything that they would like to to uh, you'd like to have them consider. Uh, it's just been excellent. I really appreciate this. Oh, absolutely. Um, and like I said, you know, a lot of the projects I see myself working on right now are sort of twofold. It's either scripted work in the sci-fi fantasy realm, or I love to teach people. Like I love to demystify the process. So like I had mentioned to people, um, creatorup.com, I'm going to be doing a training series. You know, it's going to be a paid training series, but very, very, very on the cheap end, about 20 hours of videos that are going to break down the process, as much as I can fit in those videos, of how to create sci-fi fantasy web series in particular. Um, so I'm doing that. You, you gave my website. If you have anything that you want to look at, you can go there. And um, I also do this traveling panel called Geek Girls Create, where we talk to female producers and creators in the geek genre. And like I said, we demystify the process. And so if anybody's at any convention, you're going to see us there. But um, first and foremost, you know, or I guess I should say last, because it's the last thing I'm going to say, is I just, I just want to encourage people, whether you're a filmmaker or you're in the fantasy genre, whatever it is you do, maybe you create cop shows, you know, something totally different, is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty to take the time to do your research and just do what you're passionate about. I mean, that that will always be my number one recommendation to any creator, whether you're a filmmaker or a costume designer, maybe you just love to cook. Just do what you're passionate about and don't worry too much about the process because 
that's what you get by experience. You know, we all start off making very big mistakes and, and going through processes that work or they don't. Don't get caught up in that. You know, just just start with what you're passionate about, even if it's a little video blog online, and your fans will come to you. Um, and then, you know, you'll be happier doing what you do, doing what you love. That is absolutely awesome, and you are awesome, and I appreciate you being here, and I know you have to run, and so we will uh, talk about when you're going to come back uh, another time. But thank you so much for your contribution oh, to uh, all of us. And thank uh, you have you a great time. At, oh, you, yeah, I'm thrilled to have you, and I I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, hope, <laughs> hope you have a great time at uh, Wienanopolis tomorrow and uh, to the different kind of uh, – uh, the, the the launch coming up. I mean, I, I, again, forgive me for using the word launch, but but uh, but everything. Uh, and listeners should check out your website at netopack dot com and uh, netopack at netopack on Twitter and uh, Kristen Netopack fan page on Facebook. And I wish you well. Have a marvelous time tomorrow, and uh, I'll talk to you in a few minutes. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Thank you, Kristen. All right, a fascinating guest, Kristen Netopak, and uh, and like I said, we'll have her back. We'll talk more about branding and more about what she's uh, doing and, and the nuts and bolts of that so that uh, we can cover that more in depth. Uh, I find this absolutely fascinating, and uh, I'm sure that you have too. So please share these interviews far and wide and near and far with everyone and anyone you know, uh, whether they're in the business or not in the business. They might be a film lover or a film fan uh, please uh, leave comments at the player. Sometimes the players are a little weird, and you have to wait until it closes down in order to see the comment window. Otherwise, it's right there. Uh, just like the chat room can be a little strange, it bumps people in and out of it. But um, uh, and certainly leave comments and tweet about it and Facebook it and and visit uh, her, you know her Twitter page and her Facebook page and her website and and do that. Do that with all my guests. Go go and listen to all the archive shows because there is a wealth, an incredible wealth uh, of golden nuggets, just uh, uh, so much valuable information for you to have if you're a filmmaker, content provider, or maker, television, uh, web series, whatever it is that you do behind the scenes or in front of the camera. Uh, I know you're going to want to go. You're going to want to get all of them. Subscribe to the podcast at the iTunes store and download it to your favorite electronic device. Uh, as for me, I'm going to be uh, traveling. I, I'm in Florida for a couple of weeks. I will not be doing any programs for the first half of November unless something radically changes in my schedule while I'm there. I'm just too too busy from morning to late night. And uh, But we'll come back in latter November. So in the meantime, go and listen to the archives. If you haven't uh, checked those out yet, do so now. And, and you know, if you listen to a show, there's over, there's a, you can listen to a show a day as it stands right now. And uh, and really increase your education of this film business if you went and listened to all of my interviews and discussions with uh, friends and colleagues in the film business. Serum the Movie, we're working on Serum the Movie. We have a Serum the Movie friends page on Facebook. Go and check that out. Please like the page. Join us there. There's lots of great production stills lifted right from the footage of the movie that we're doing. There's great behind-the-scenes videos and stills there that... Uh, that uh, you can look and follow and see what we're doing uh, with this particular production, and uh, and we're still sh we're still in the process of shooting and uh, and finishing it up. We're doing some beginning phase of rough assembly, so uh, it's all coming along. But join us at Serum S E R U M the movie on Facebook. 
Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a horrible title. It got, we got stuck with it. It was Serum Short Film. It's actually a television pilot. It is a TV pilot. Uh, but somebody put it up as Serum Short Film, and nobody caught it until it was far too late, and Facebook makes us keep it. And so that you know about. Uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook is a friend's page. Please go join us there, and you will always be updated to uh, who's coming on the show and, and uh, film opportunities and casting and production and different things like that. So, so visit Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook, the friend's page. There's also Rex Sykes Movie Beat on uh, YouTube, and there's Rex Sykes Movie BT, Rex Sykes Movie BT. That last word is abbreviated on Twitter, so do follow me there. Please keep sharing. Thanks for all your support, all the love, everything that you do to support my guests and me. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll be getting together again real soon. I'm uh, traveling next week, but I may be squeezing in a show. I will let you know by Twitter and by Facebook if that's the case. If so, it's Monday or Tuesday most likely, so stay tuned. I don't typically give out dates. I don't give out um, the time of the show because they, since they are archived, it's, it's kind of meaningless after a while. But because we also do promote live events and, and things, uh, we sometimes find ourselves having to do that. Anyway, I want to thank Kristen Nedepeck, a fascinating guest, and I want to thank you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. I've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so do stay tuned. And please do keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and contacts. And everybody, uh, have a fabulous day, a fabulous weekend. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.